right, so now let's just move into what we're, we're doing. We're in a new series. This is called Roots. This is essential, um, important things um, for, for us as Christians and also some philosophy things as a church. And last week, we discussed this whole issue of grace and how amazing grace is. Grace is awesome, guys, and it is so much bigger than we give credit for often. Because when you look at the book of Ephesians, he says, in love, he predestined you. He chose you before the foundations of the world. He chose you in love before the worlds were, guys. Like, this is love, okay? And we, we address that issue. This week, we're going to move on to the Word of God. How should we see Scripture? How should we see the Word of God? What did Jesus think of the Word of God? He's the Son of God. He's the one who paid for our sin. At great cost to God, he sends his son to crucify him for us. What does he think of the word? And how do you and I view the word? But here's a second or third question. How do we see the word on a Like, how does it impact us practically? There's ways it can impact us on an on a intellectual level, on our thinking. But how does it affect our heart and how it affects our what we do, and how we respond to sin. In a moment, I'm going to have you turn to Scripture, but we're not ready just yet. I'm going to, I'm going to share a little bit of, of a story of some things I saw. It's a very simple thing. I was in my garage just recently. It was a week ago, and I was in the garage with my daughter, and she was talking to me about some homework projects she had, and I was sitting at my desk. My office is in my garage. There's no temperature control. It's either hot or cold. And sometimes the Starbucks is better for that reason. But we were in there, and we're just talking about life, and she's telling me about some homework thing. And I, and I can't totally remember what we're talking about. But I had raised the garage door, and it was the morning. I remember I even had coffee, right? Coffee, morning, nice. Daughter's talking to me. Wow, when? And there's a lady walking by our house. A very nice lady. She's cruising by, holding a leash. And what is attached to that leash is a bear. No, it's a dog. It was a really small, a small dog. A cute little dog. And as she's walking by our house, she stops right in front of it. And the dog kind of walks on her grass and he's sniffing around. It's just a beautiful scene, right? You know, um, the sun rays are coming through and butterflies are dancing about. And you can almost hear songs from heaven. And then he postures himself to do something horrific and terrible. He's going to relieve himself, not, not the way that waters the ground, but the way that does something terrible to the ground in those moments. And we were there witnessing this. And we are, I'm just like, wow. Like, I, I hope she picks that up. And we're like, we're like, we're, me and my daughter are talking. We're like, do you think she'll pick it up? And we're, and we're just there and we're smiling. We're smiling because what can you do when someone is 20 feet from you and they're, the dog is doing this, this, this thing that he does and she's looking at you in her muumuu with her cup of coffee and cigarette as if a posture of, I really don't care what you think, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. Oh, man. And I had resolved in those moments, I'm not going to say anything. But 
If you're going to do that and your neighbor is watching you from the garage sipping their coffee, you might bag it. Right, is all I'm saying. But people are not such, they're not wired in such a way. We're self-centered, right? And so she's puffing her smoke, the dog finishes, and she looks and and, uh, walks right off. And so my daughter and I look at each other like, this didn't just happen. I cannot believe this. Butterflies, rays of heaven. Like, what, what, what is this? And, you know, I, I will tell you this. Dude, this, will, this will sound like a crazy bridge. But when it comes to the, the word of God and God himself, there's a lot of times we look at him with disdain and we say to him with our posture and our ideas, don't tell me what to do. Even when we know what the right thing to do is. Reality is we've got some we've got some crap to pick up in our lives. Can I say that? It's true. Now thank God that it's it's God Himself who wipes us clean, right? And yet, you know, the, the natural response for those that have come to faith in Jesus is that we would be turning from sin and walking with God by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. But there is this turning from sin and walking with Him. And obedience that is starting to take place because of our relationship with God. But here's the deal. How would we even know what he says unless we turn to what he says in his word? And so I'm going to ask you to look in his word today and address this question in your own heart. How do you view the word of God? And secondly, how do you respond to his word? When it's delivered to you. Or when you read it. Is it with a... And I walk off with a humble, God, I'm ready. Do with me what you will. Would you please turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1. We're going to begin our journey there. How is it? How do we see the Word of God? How should we see the Word of God? And how does the Word of God influence our life in such a way that we are walking with Him in obedience, turning away from sin? And I'm telling you, it doesn't end. It doesn't end at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 if God should give you so many years. Although I would think you'd be pretty good at it at 70. Isn't our hope that we'd be pretty good at it by then? And by God's grace, my prayer for you is that you'd be good at it at 30 or 25 or 15 because it is a blessing to walk with God. Blessed is the man who sits in the counsel of the Lord. Okay? So I want you to hear some things about the Word of God. Number one, I want you to understand this, brothers and sisters, that the Word of God is not merely produced by men. Although there is a cooperation, and I'll explain, it is from God Himself. So as we understand and view the Word of God, we shouldn't merely see it from man, but from God Himself. So in, in second or in Second Peter chapter 1, um, right here uh, at the end of the, the chapter, Peter is addressing these people 
about the prophecy of God that we've received. And he tells us this. Listen in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were witnesses. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice voice was born to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved son the father said from heaven with whom I am well pleased we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain that's the that's a reference to the transfiguration by the way when Jesus transfigured in front of them and they got to, there was a few, there was three that got to witness that. It was a very amazing, fascinating moment. Privileged to be with Jesus there. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Do you catch that? No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as I'm so sorry. We have like, we have issues, but you know what? We record this and uh, so that people can hear online and if they're serving somewhere, they can hear it if they missed it. And uh, people, People check us out that way as well. Knowing this, okay, so so for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You guys, the scriptures that we hold in our hands is from God. He spoke through men. He inspired them. But this was a work of his Holy Spirit. This is not merely the scheming of a bunch of wise dude that were able to canonize 66 books. It's unfortunate. Men, men are really amazing because they're image bearers, but they don't do anything that cool. God does that. God himself could do something that amazing. To make something that coherent and work together, written over long periods of time away from each other, and be his very word. Okay, number two. What was Jesus' view of the word of God? If Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who died and rose from the grave, the one who eternally existed with the Father and the Spirit and made the worlds, if he is who he claims to be, and he sees the Bible as the very Word of God, then as his followers, wouldn't we do well to see it the same way Jesus does? My friends, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of people that profess Christ that do not believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. They hold on to traditions. They hold on to other books. But I'm telling you, this right here, what you have, your NIV, your ESV, your New American Standard, right? right? It, 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 like this is it's the English translation, but you have the Word of God. And all those other books, not the Word of God. Tradition. But how did Jesus feel about it? How did Jesus see it? Turn to the, the Gospel of Matthew and let's look at the way Jesus saw the Word of God. Chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. There were a group of religious leader in, leaders in Jesus' day that knew their Bible but missed the point 
In fact, I would tell you this, it is very difficult to understand the Bible unless you see it through Jesus. But these, these very smart people, these Pharisees and religious leaders, came to Jesus to trick him. They wanted to see if they could trap Jesus in his words. So they wanted to ask him about divorce. Now, in their day, there was uh, quite a bit of de debate about divorce. Now, there were some that were saying um, you could only divorce under, you know, if there was sexual immorality. And there were others that were saying you could only divorce. They were even saying you should divorce if sh your wife put together a bad plate of food. If your wife made you upset in some way, you could divorce her. If someone else, you, you know, you found your fancy in someone else, then, then it, do you see what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was craziness is what it was. And so they come to Jesus, and they're going to ask him about divorce. Now, I want you to notice the response that Jesus has to these people that are asking the question. Now, they're going to ask this question, and they're also going to make an error in the text that Jesus corrects. I want you to see both his answer and the error that Jesus corrects them with. It's fascinating, because Jesus is going to answer this in a very interesting way. So they come to trip him up. Verse 3, chapter 19, and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking. See, that they tested him because they were trying to trick him. Is it lawful, wise teacher? You can see like the strokes down the beard, right? Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And they sit back, right? Start smoking. I don't know what they're doing. They're not smoking. But they're sitting back and drinking really strong coffee. And he answered like this. Have you not read? Oh, my goodness. Are you getting a glimpse of the way Jesus sees the word of God? He's going to refer to the writings. He's going to refer to the very first book of the Bible with this. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Haven't you read that? You're here to ask me about divorce. Haven't you read that God said from the beginning, I made the male from the female? That's what he says. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now Jesus is going to add to this. Did you realize that? How can Jesus add to this with the next words that are going to come out of his mouth? Because he's God. Because when you read Genesis, this isn't here. Then he says, what therefore God has joined together, let no, no man separate. We'll, we'll, we often will say that at weddings. Jesus said that. Jesus, we need to see the Bible through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of the New Testament. It helps us understand the whole of Scripture because they must have had their minds blown as he starts interpreting the Old Testament. Jesus' view of the Bible is that it is the Word of God and that it has authority over them. That's why he says, have you not read? How do you and I approach life? How do you approach your life? Where is it written? What does it say about this particular issue? Can I do this and this? Should I think this and this way? Should I? Whatever it is. We need to come to the conclusion of, I need to address the Scriptures and see, what does God say about this? Maybe he says nothing about this particular issue. 
You know, you know I, I want to point out one other thing that's just really fascinating about this text, and that's where Jesus corrects them. They, so listen, look at the text, verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Oh, important word there. Command, you say? Look what Jesus answers with. He said to them, actually, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce. Those are two very different words, aren't they? Dude, it's so, accuracy is so important, guys. You know, one of the easiest and the best ways for Satan to confuse the people of God is with the issue of error and accuracy. They said, Moses commanded this, and he said, um, actually, he didn't. Keep that in mind, guys. How else are we going to navigate the cult, the sexual revolution that we're facing right now in the culture that we're in? How do you navigate that? As a mother, as a father, as a friend. These are confusing days. Young boys are not shown masculinity, nor female, young women shown femininity when they should be. It's God-given right and privilege to be a man or a woman. And yet the sexual revolution says, be what you want, be a butterfly. I don't know. Like, but, but the thing is, like, how are you going to navigate that unless you can navigate the Word of God? So Jesus sees it as the authority from heaven, the words of God himself. Number three, you need to see this. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And that is this, that Jesus speaks to us God speaks to us through His Son. The way we need to see the Bible is through Jesus. You want to understand the Bible? Understand Jesus. Do you want to see God? Look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you see Him, if you, it's Him, then you've seen God. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance and the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Do you know what that means? Imagine a coin being hammered, you know, over and over. You get the same coin, right? You ever notice, like, the quarters that we have look the same? I realize there's different, like, states they're representing now. But for, for the most part, they're, they're an exact imprint. That's the language that's used right here. When you see Jesus, you see God. Number four, the Word of God is God-breathed. So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching reproof. That's like correcting error, by the way. Reproof is correcting error. Correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Do you know, do you know what the Word of God is 
to do for you. It's to help you see God. It is to help you to be equipped for every good work. You guys, let me, what, what do we do with this? Let, let, let me tell you this, that, that the Word of God that we come face to face with is very difficult. And there might be times in your heart you just want to like kind of keep certain things secret, see, keep certain things in the darkness, not let anyone else know what kind of where your heart is. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that you and I need to look at the, the motives of our heart. Primarily, we need to look at God, but they're going to reveal some darkness and some motives of our hearts. And those things are going to resist God. And it's going to be difficult. And what that means is it's going to be difficult at times when the Word of God is is correcting us. And the way that's going to look in practical life, it's probably going to be from other Christians who say, Hey, brother, sister, at least we should do this. It's not going to, It's not common practice because in our context, in our culture, we don't confront. But let me tell you, as Christians, it is okay to say to someone in love, Dude, this smells a lot like sin. It kind of smells like that thing that girl did when she's walking by her house in like the yard thing with a dog. That's what it seems like. And you know what? Who here likes critique? Just raise your hand. How much? If you love critique, would you just raise your hand? We want to see who you are. You just love it. Lies. Lies, lies, lies. Critique is hard. Some critique is not hard. Some critique, but when it's personal and it's something... You, that you really want to hang on to, it is hard, guys. It is hard. And let me, let me just tell you this. You know what? Understand this, that, that life is short. And you, you, don't, you, were not, you and I were not promised tomorrow. Do you know that? We were not promised tomorrow. Just, just, just uh, uh, this week, I, I, I saw something on Facebook. It was based, this, this uh, teacher that was at my high school, he passed away. He had just retired. He was a really nice guy, and he had just retired and was hanging out with friends at, at Big Bear or whatever, and he, I don't know exactly what happened, had some accident. He slipped down the stairs in Big Bear, and he, he broke his neck. He retired a week earlier. He, he retires. He goes to Big Bear. He's hanging out with friends. He's 60, might be 63. He still looks young, fit, strong. He slips and falls. He breaks his neck. He gets sick. He can't recover. His body dies. His body dies. Dude, I share that with you so that you and I know that tomorrow is not promised. When you retire from your job and you're 63 and strong and fit, you don't think you're going to die next week. You just don't think that. God doesn't owe us tomorrow. Our days are numbered, but you and I don't know what that is. And the question becomes, what are you going to do with the days that God has given you? Because one day you and I are going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's going to say, well, God, I'm sorry. I was busy. I was busy with a, a lot of good work. What if, or or, I, or I, I was, I don't know, I was busy. I, you know, I, I had a busy job. I Or I, I just didn't have time to... Repent of this. I didn't, ha you know, I didn't have time to be in the community of faith. I, like, what, what are we going to say when we stand before Him one day? We have one, you and I have one life. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The question becomes: What do we do with the Word of God when it comes our way? Do we submit to it? Do we obey it? 
Or do we reject it, quite frankly? Do brothers, sisters, I encourage you, I implore you, please look into your own heart and ask yourself, do I submit to the Word of God? Man, He, he wants you to have the abundant life, friends. The abundant life, but you're not, you're not going to have it unless you submit yourself to the Word of God. So let's pray. Father, gracious Father, I thank you for the moments that we have, and I just want to pray for branches that we'd be a people that would just uh, just love you with our whole heart, care deeply about your glory, and treasure your word, that we would not be a people that worship it because you are the object of our worship, but that we would submit ourselves to what you say. In Jesus' name, amen.